There's a hero in all of us waiting to be unleashed. All it takes is just that one last push. Activate the hero within with CVMK Global Supplements. All natural, steroid-free, designed to enhance performance, build muscle, and increase energy. You are unstoppable. You can do this. Become your own hero at www.cbmkglobal.store. Awesome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm super excited because it's a new season. With new season is new content. With new content is new heat. With new heat, it's amazing things. And I had to invite somebody amazing on the show to cover what we're going to cover today. The film review of The Harder They Fall. So I invited my man John to be back because when it comes to film, TV shows, uh, any media production, he is the guru at this. Check his podcast out at Movie Lovers, TV Lovers Unite. But before we get into that, if you want to keep seeing amazing content, it's a new season. you got to do three things. Look, connect with me on YouTube. Follow the YouTube page at CV Space K. But I got another one, and it'll pop up. Shop where all your fitness and supplement needs. I'm talking about your pre-workouts, your protein, your branch chain amino acids, uh, your hormonal support, both for men and women at cvkglobal.store. You will not be disappointed. This is a signature supplement line that I really put all my sweat and tears in to help create to transform you. Also, connect with me on Instagram at cvmk33 where it goes down. Let me know that you're out there. But look, I'm super excited about this episode because we are reviewing one of my favorite Netflix content pieces. And, you know, with Netflix, love the platform. I think it is uh, an amazing avenue to have this hub where content creators can place their work and we as consumers can just breathe it in. That doesn't mean everything is good out no. there. Right, right, right. You get like maybe one golden gym out of a million other movies or TV shows. Right. And stuff exactly. like that. So with Heart of They Fall and everything, this was actually a pretty decent film. I do. And I think what made it unique, and John, you hit upon this, and I'm going to turn it over to you, is it's the first time that I can ever remember where it was a true um, uh, black Westerner. Like, you know, I, you know, growing up, we think of Westerners that, you know, were cinematic, uh, Tombstone, you know, Val Kilmore, you know, like, you know, holiday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're iconic, you know, but there's a, there's a lack of diversity. And then when you see this story, even though it's a, it's definitely a black Westerner, its theme is not centered necessarily around that as it is just being on the frontier you know post civil war in the west and the the acting the action sequences uh it was purely uh poetry emotion what are your thoughts on it so i liked how the very first scene actually opens up and we're gonna get into some of the other stuff though too i like the diversity in it we mentioned that before we even started the diversity within the film itself and being able to see people of color being presented as wanted as outlaws, which is something that's different. We haven't seen that before. And it gives a reason to actually look up uh, black history, see where certain cultures come from and stuff like that. Maybe family trees, family backgrounds, 
but yeah, I, I find it very interesting that they went this way. And matter of fact, this also reminds me of Django Unchained mixed with um Inglorious Bastards and also has like a little bit of a comic book kind of feel though too as well. Especially mm. at the very end where you see the four screens like divide itself into a college college of different things. So it has that little bit of a comic book kind of feel to it. But also too, another thing too is they kept it like a modern day country western film with the soundtrack with the songs that they used. And each song described what was going to happen in the scene or described the character that we were going to be seeing. True. That was something else that I liked. The music became a character, so that's something else. But now the Inglorious Bastards aspect I'm going to mention is this. The very first thing that you see is you see this family get gathering together, praying over dinner. You see this other person come in, riding on his horse, and the father is his eyes are pretty much stuck out like oh crap i'm in trouble mm -hmm. and we don't know the context behind it all we know is that this guy's fearful for his life this guy just comes in sits down this other guy comes in with a scorpion tattoo on it on between his index finger and his thumb and you don't know what to think and also and this is where the inglorious bastard stuff comes in because at the very beginning of the of Inglorious Bastards, you have the people from play, played by Chris Christopherson, uh, I believe, and he comes in there. Very in, he's interrogating them because number one, you have Jewish people hiding underneath the floorboards and everything, and he's also drinking their milk, having a conversation. He goes, "I know that you can speak English, so why don't we just skip the whole entire German thing and speak English?" Because the first 10, 15 minutes of them talking um, in Glorious Bastards is in nothing but in German mm. and their subtitles. And then all of a sudden it cuts into English. With this, the family is just having an enjoy enjoying their peacefulness, praying over dinner. This person invades them. And the next thing you know, it, it has like a first person shooter kind of mode where now you see the two uh, guns being pointed, one at the son, one at the mother. Right. Then the father's begging, do not kill my wife. Do not kill him. Kill me. Take me. No. He winds up killing the wife. Then he winds up pointing the gun at the son, but then he turns it over to the father, kills the father right in front of the son, and then next thing you know it, we don't see what he does to the son. All we know is that he drew. He ended up doing something to, to his forehead. Then right. it becomes a revenge plot, which to me, I wish they would have actually waited to kill the guy at the very beginning of this film mm -hmm. and saved it for later. Because then it's like, okay, what do I do with this ca this character now? Where's the motivation for this character? And how does he motivate and keep the movie going? Because now you don't have the revenge plot since he already killed the person that killed his parents and was responsible for his parents. But that's what I was going into it at where I first saw it. It's like, where's the motivation at? Where's his motivation at now? Now that he's gotten some peace for himself because he winded up killing his, uh, the person that was responsible for his parents' death. But what did you think? No, I, I agree. I think uh, the opening of the um, of the film definitely sets the tone for the direction and it creates a delayed response. Right. You see kind of this harmonious gathering and it's, uh, you know, pleasant. They're praying. They have food. Uh, you see the shotgun uh, overneath over the door, which is common for that time. You see the Bible there. So it's kind of it's a really like homage to. American frontierism, you know, that's really what the, the, the scene is depicting. And then you see this this break in 
that becomes like, like, oh my gosh, right? And then all this horrific stuff happens. You feel absolutely sorry for the wife, not knowing what, why she was, you know, selected to be killed. And then uh, you see the 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 murder of uh, the father after they carved the little cross in the guy's the little man's uh, forehead. And then you're like, what is this? You're like, you're almost, it's a very uncomfortable. I said this, the movie, if you would have told me without looking at it that Scorsese directed it, I would have believed you. You know, like it's almost, it really wanted that kind of Scorsese, like over the top, a lot of gore. But you mentioned like Django Chan, like it has to kind of have that dark twist to it. Right, that Tarantino flavor to it. Tarantino, yeah, yeah. It's a definitely Quentin Tarantino Scorsese type feel. And, you know, the next thing we're looking at is uh, Nat Love played by Jonathan Majors. Uh, you know, or no, actually the next thing that presides is the train stoppage. And you see yeah, Ruby. With Cherokee Ruby. Bill. Yeah, Cherokee Bill. And I think that's a great place to pause because Keith Stanson, is the villain of villains. So, like, he was also Bill O'Neill in Black Panther. He always plays somebody menacing and evil and has this, like, undertone that, like, is going to come back to, like, get you. And, like, it's so, it's it's almost natural. Keith Stanton is this generation's Jeremy Irons, in my personal opinion. Like, he's Scar. You know, like, he's he has that kind of flair, I don't know what it is like. He's just he's just naturally born to be evil, I guess. You know, so like he can play evil character really, really well. And then you get the amazing Regina King, who I mean takes the uh, the the movie by storm. The best scene in the beginning is when she's standing, well, she's sitting on the horse at the tra- you know on the train track, stopping a train from you know coming her way. That that's powerful, considering like Regina King might be like five one, five two. But you right. see, like, she looks bigger than what she is. Like, it's an amazing shot. And you see, with Cherokee Bill, they made him him up to be this big, tough guy kind of thing. But really, he's not. Regina King's the one who's running this show mm-hmm. and everything. All he is is, like, a mythical creature that somebody winds up making a bunch of legends about. That's all Cherokee Bill is. Regina King is the one that you need to be afraid of. And also, too, I like the writing when it comes down to the women of this movie yeah. because they're not the dazzle and distress. They're strong women of mm-hmm. color mm-hmm. where they don't take no crap from anybody. Even whenever uh, the main character goes over to the bar and everything. And the woman who's checking the weapons, she, you thinking that you're going to get this big, huge buff guy or whatever, checking guns. No, you have a woman that doesn't take no crap from anybody. Doing right. Security work. That is Coffee. something that we never thought about seeing before. Right. But, Going off of the narrative with what you were saying about Regina King and the way they drove. And here's the thing. I like Wilder. I liked Unforgiven, The Quick and the Dead, the, and also The Wild Wild West, the TV show, Gunsmoke. The list just goes on with country western yeah. films, right? But the thing that I liked about this, they don't wear masks. They're not yeah. hiding who they are. It's like... Here, that's gangster right there to me. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> this is who we are. This is who we are. We are what we are. Right. Come at us if you think that you can ha- handle us and everything. And I liked it. It's ballsy. It's something it different. It it's is. something that we didn't think about, even thinking about considering, because we're always used to the bandanas covering up the mouth yeah. and everything and want to be secretive. No, they're like, you know what? Screw that. We're here. We're right in front of you. 
We're going to take your money. We're going to take everything that we have. We want the passenger on the train and come at us if you have a problem with us. No, I totally agree. I, I think that I think it's a new twist on just being bold and pronounced um, and not being afraid of, you know, the identity. And I think it's amazing. The the pushback. So I'm, I'm reading the reviews and I'm like, OK, you know, this is to me, it was it was great content. It was entertaining. Uh, the twist at the end. You know, was yeah, you amazing. don't expect that. Twist. Yeah, unexpected. Idris Elba is like, you know, slowly becoming one of my favorite actors. And then I'm reading the reviews is like, well, it's not historically accurate because stagecoach Mary never did this. Or, and then I, I thought to myself, does a movie that is fictional, that's based, that's loosely based on certain truths, right? Does it have to be historically correct? For it to be a good film. Okay, so here's the thing. I call it a what if story, like Marvel did, does yeah. with what if scenarios. Inglorious Bastards, for example, is like a what if story that's loosely based with some fictional facts. Now, if they presented this movie as based on a true story, then yeah, you have a problem. Yeah. But no, they didn't present it in that kind of way, in that kind of context. But because of the fact that it's loosely based, it's like a what if story. What if uh, this character is put in this position? Also, too, in Glorious Bastards, they killed Hitler in front in a movie theater. Right. So that never even happened. So they put a twist on it. Even with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they yeah. put it. They put a twist on that too. So it's like a what if scenario in an Elseworld kind of vibe, and putting it into like, okay, we know the history of this, but what if this happened here? What if Hitler did get burned up? In uh, before he even had a chance to do any other damage, so it, I like that whole entire thing where you don't have to have it coincide with the timelines or anything like that. Now, like I said, if it was presented coming soon to a theater near you, harder they fall based on a true story by or on true events, da 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 da. Yeah, then you have a false advertising kind of thing, but with this, no, I don't really feel like you need to. They actually knew the audience that they were going for. They knew the drive that they were going for and it knew its identity and who it was for. True. true. So that's, that's how I figure it. But what do you think? No, I, I agree. I think that, you know, nothing, when you, when you create a film, even when you stick to historical truths, um, for the film's sake, you have to have creative license, right? Like you have to add words that have not been verified. You have to have scenes and locations that, you know, have not been registered. It's because life is not that entertaining. And what I mean by that, like, you know, there might be an entertaining moment, but you don't have two hours of entertaining continuous moments, right? right? <laughs> like little moments and times have to be pieced together and that's where the creativity comes in. So I'm completely okay uh, with, you know, fiction being add uh, to this uh, work. Um, I'm also, you can also tell a truth without telling a truth. And the truth that is being told is how lawless, um, particularly post-Civil War in the American frontier really was. It's, it's, it's also telling about, you know, the segregation between the two towns. It's also telling about really an American historical context 
in a way that we haven't looked at it before. Well, they're tying it through the lenses of uh, people of color rather right. than people that uh, white people in general and stuff like that. So it's something different and telling in the lenses of that. And also, too, it shows the different levels of what the towns look like. Right. No, it segregations. Did. Yeah, and, and it did. And it did, a, and it did a great job displaying that. And I think sometimes when you have to, you know, show a different lens, it's, you know, how much liberty do you take, right? And they, to me, they, they took it and yet uh, really wrapped it in. And I, and I really think the reason for it is because for every film to work, and this is why Hawkeye to me is struggling, for every film to work, you have to have a person to rally for or against. You have to have a hero that we can like or a villain that we can dislike. Hawkeye, the villain is still kind of confusing on who this person really is, right? And you know what? You're not the only one that th- that says that either. Because yeah. I was listening to other people's podcasts, and they were saying the same thing about that. Yeah. So you get Idris Elba. Uh, Rufus Buck is like evil, like evil incarnate, right? Like his his dealings with everyone is just like, this can't be, right? So it's easy because you could be like, I don't like this person. Therefore, I'm subject. I'm subconsciously rooting for you know, Jonathan Majors or Nat Love, right, to 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 conquer the day. And then you see, and everybody likes a good love story. So you see kind of the relationship between, you know, Nat and uh, and Mary Fields. And to me, uh, the, the, <laughs> uh, the one that to me like shakes the scenes, like it, it creates instability. And I'm hoping that they do a sequel because Obviously, she wasn't, if you watch the end, she wasn't killed, uh, is Regina King's character, Trudy Smith. Trudy, right? Like, dialogue, when she tells the story about her sister being bullied, you know, like, Trudy's uh, uh, whole coverage, whole just persona is, is, is dynamic. Regina King stole the show. I mean, she's the, she really kind of just, like, stood in a class all by herself to the point that you really don't know who's leading uh, Rufus's game, right? Like, is it really Rufus, you know, or is it Trudy? You know, because Trudy's the one bailing Rufus out, rescues him <laughs> from the, the train. Trudy's the one that's kind of like spearheading all of this. Uh, Rufus is just kind of like, you know, he's just the... the just, he's just like there for the ride, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So like, he, but also, too, Rufus is dangerous whenever it's time to be dangerous. Yeah. When he takes over that town and ransacks that town and kicks the sheriff out and also knocks his dull teeth out with yeah. his pistol whips him with his gun and then tells the kid, hey, pick this up. You got gold. Yeah. That told, showed me how dangerous this guy actually is. Now, when Trudy comes in and everything, too, she also knows when to come in and take over and also knows when to give Rufus some time to handle things on his own too. So they know where they're at because they've been together for a long time. So they know, okay, Rufus can handle this right here. So I'm going to let him handle this. I'm going to handle something else. And I like the back and forth on the balance of that. Then also too, uh, like I mentioned too, Rudy's, uh, you know, telling the story and stuff like that. The monologue with it was very good. You can actually see it, see it in her eyes mm-hmm. and stuff like that too, that she's been there. She's been there before. She's, she knows what she's talking about. 
And that's some, that's how you know that she was dialed into that character. But also, too, when it comes down to Idris Elba, I love Idris Elba as an actor. I think he's a yeah. phenomenal actor. I think he should be James Bond, to be honest with you. Yeah. But after Daniel Craig, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But this dude is built. This guy is huge. You don't, this guy is overtowering and taking over the, a town. Yeah. That goes to show you how dangerous it is. Now, as far as the love story aspect and everything, eh, I felt like it was kind of forced. They were trying to force it. Right. It's like uh, Hot and Cold by Perry, uh, Perry K, uh, Carey, if you think about it, Katie Perry, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, is this girl really into him or she's not into him kind yeah. of thing? One minute she is, one minute she's not. She's like fighting her feelings for it. I'm like, okay, girl, look, if you're into the dude, you're into the dude. I'm, right. I'm done with this love story plot. Give me some meat to digest. To tell me, okay, you're into this guy. Date him. Do whatever you want with him. I don't care. Just show me some closure with that. But they never did. It was like very forced. In my that's opinion. true. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't organic. There's no origin to it either. Because when we pick up, you know, we assume that they knew each other when he goes into the saloon, and you know, they basically pick up from where they left off. It's almost like now movies have to have a plot within a plot. You know, like, well, just in case you don't like a villain, you might like the love story, you know, and it's like, you know, right. it was a villain, you know, it doesn't have to be that layered. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was, it was a forced relationship. I also think kind of uh, looking at kind of forced elements, um, what is, and this is when it goes down to it, I haven't seen an effective duel since uh, uh, Doc Holliday and uh, Johnny Ringo and mm-hmm. Tombstone. Like, that was the last, like, movie I could think of, like, I wanted to see a duel, right? Like, like you know, and even though I hated, I hated what Cherokee Bill did uh, to uh, uh, Jim, Jim Beckworth, because um, right. Jim would have got him, you know? But it's it's it made you, like, slow in. And I think something that is missing from movies now, and which I'm glad that they kind of revisited, was the art of dialogue. Because before the duel that uh, Jim got killed, when they first came into town, and he was like, I can do you right now. Right? <laughs> and like, literally, like, Cherokee walks away like, no. <laughs> you know? It's, 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 it's that, because literally, I was like, oh my God, like, it's going to happen right now. You know, like, that type of suspense via dialogue is a lost art. It is. It definitely is because you can do a lot with dialogue and right. have the arc there, but then you can also slow that arc down. It's like, we're not going to fight today. We're not going to duel today and just simmer it down just a little bit and little sizzle a little, little marinate a little, and then go back to it later on. And I like that though. You rise the tension and then you slowly build it back down again to savor the flavor for later on. And I like that. Um, there's a, another thing that I, I mentioned though too on Tamika's channel, and as, but it's all about um, and with the set pieces. I didn't really feel like the stores were actually the stores. I felt like it was like a cutout, yeah. and it didn't actually identified as the West to me. It yeah. felt like you know here's the front of the store, and the back is like uh, Looney Tunes, where there's like nothing else there. 
But I was thinking, okay, maybe if it's segregation, it makes sense for it not to look the way it needs to look and stuff like that. So that part to me now, I have a little bit more of a different outlook, a different approach with it. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, maybe this is part of the segregation that we mentioned. Maybe in their setting, it doesn't look like the way it looks in the white part of the town mm-hmm. and everything. So that is what it, I took out of that part. Because some people were like, oh, I don't like the set pieces. Da, 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 da. I'm like, so I'm thinking to myself, what didn't you like about the set pieces? Because that's what I do. I, You know me. If I don't like yeah. something, I always tried to want think to myself, what didn't I like about it? What made me not like that? And if it makes me think, and then I go back to it, I'm like, okay, now I know why I didn't like this and everything. And I don't just pick at it just for the sake of picking at it. It's because I have a legit reason. I always try to explain my legit reasons. Right. Um, but there's one little thing about Jazzy Beats's thing that I don't like. Okay. Was the fact, we're going to act like that she's not part of our crew, but you have Edris Car- Elba's character who already knows that Jazzy Beats is already part of her, that crew. Right. So she's going to try and act like she's going to make a business deal or some type of deal with him. I'm like, are you that stupid? You yeah. know, this is a small town. It's not like it's a bunch of people around. It's like, eh, it's just a rumor. You know, it's fine. She's not really with him. You know, it's like they had the veil over their eyes trying to fool him. And I'm like, nah, this guy's not going to go for that. And it made us feel like as an audience, as if we're stupid, to believe that she won't get caught like that. You know, in order for them to do it the right way, Jazzy Beats needed to be separated from them for at least three or four days, come into town dirty and just being messy with her, right. looking like she got into a tug of war match with the people that she was go- going for and say, Hey, look, I'm worn out from walking all this way. I want to make a deal with you. I want to join your crew because I got into a fight and a tussle with that crew because over a disagreement that I didn't have. And that's how you do it. The way they did is like pretty much best value way of writing. (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm just going to go right into town and they're not going to even recognize the fact I was with this crew. (laughs) It it was. No, honestly, they did not. I think think with her character, it was like, how do we connect um, Zazie back? How do we connect Mary Fields back to the original plot you know it's like a moving variable and so since they couldn't figure how to write her in correctly therefore she became the damsel in distress and it was like a default move it it was almost like in one revision of the script she's a default she's a damsel in uh, in distress and another revision she's the one that's like saving everybody and it's like they were tied between like which one do we go with right um Definitely probably should have rethought (laughs) uh, how she enters into town, how she's perceived. She could have still been kidnapped, still been found out about. That's, I think, fine because the showdown between her and Trudy had to happen. Yeah, the Trudy stuff was great. Yeah, right. But looking back now, like, I'm not saying, like, I would have had more sympathy, but, like, you know, Trudy Trudy knew. Like, it's just weird. Like, I kind of wrote her off. I was like, okay, can you, in your head, you're like, okay, this character isn't going to make it, right? Like, <laughs> you know, and I kind of wrote her off like, yeah, Mary Fields is going to make it, you know? So, but, you know, 
ended up, uh, you know, obviously the love interest prevailed, uh, saves, uh, you know, Nat saves his love interest, and they ride off into the sunset uh, without really any explanation. Uh, and this is where the twist comes. I have never seen right. a Western have a twist like that. And Me either, just, because it's pretty much yeah. cut and dry. Yeah. It's like, here's your villain. The villain's doing evil stuff. We're going to take him down. And that's it. The plot twist is just unbelievable. I didn't even see that coming. Same, same. I, I looked at Idris when he started explaining himself, right? And just like, you know, and tells him that basically he's his brother. And, you know, it it literally like, I mean, it changed the dynamic of the movie to the point you almost felt sorry for him. Like, you were rooting, you know, you were rooting so heavily against like, man, I can't wait to for Rufus to get it. And then Rufus, you know, and it's like, oh, no, don't do it. And that, to me, was the tipping point of the movie. And that's what, to me, it became a great versus just a good, right? Like, it threw in an element that I did not see coming. And it was, and it was of high quality. And then the next thing you know, a few minutes later, after all the business is settled, Delroy uh, Lindo's character, uh, you know, they ride off. Cuffy becomes a sheriff, uh, and then you see the boots of Trudy, right? And to right. me, that's the that's the magic of a film is that even when the story is over, and I think that's what Marvel has such a uniqueness. It, there's always another stream within that universe, right? Like we can always tell this story next, right? Exactly, and I want to see more of Trudy's story. To be honest with you, yeah. I want to make know. What made her be so tough at the age that she's in and what got her on this level of where she wants to run with this crew? Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, this made me want to play a Red Dead Redemption. (laughs) 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 Because I have the game. I read Red Dead Redemption Part 2. And I'm like, I want to play this, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to be hooked (laughs) into this. But, (laughs) But if a movie can draw you in and be like, you know what? I want to play this game. Because it resembles a movie that I saw, you yeah. have something. If it sticks with you within two weeks, and you're still going through the motives and the emotions of a movie, yep, it has you. That's true. No, I, I agree. I think a, a, a origin story, like if they did a prequel with just Regina King, I honestly that would probably that would probably be like better. And I, you know, like because. She's carrying like Regina King really did stand out, you know, and and I totally agree. It makes you want to revisit and look at even from like the set design, you know, because I was thinking of like even Back to the Future three, and obviously that's not a western, but they went back in time to the Wild Wild West, you know, and some of the elements that are traditional within a western. You always have a saloon, you always have a a blacksmith, you always have a, 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 a funeral director. Uh, you know, like yeah. there's like always three characters you're always gonna find in any western, right? <laughs> but right, exactly. Yeah, but like with this one, you really did not have the traditional elements of a western and what of a of a western set. Um, and it was a town. It was a it was a free town that was basically independent, and it was a because the whole argument was this is gonna become U.S soil and then you know we'd have to move right so talk about looping in an historical 
uh, uh, significance right there. But it, to me, uh, captured enough of truth and, and a ball of entertainment and just produced, to me, a high-quality product. And, yes, definitely. And that's why the harder they fall uh, and, is out. Right. And going on the narrative of what you said about the traditional stuff, like the preacher, somebody's yep. always going to bury somebody. Pretty much if you die on, on the streets, you're dead. There, there's no one coming over there to claim your body. There's no one there burying you. There's no one giving you a funeral. There's nothing. Pretty much the buzzards are going to go over there and eat your body and everything. And to me, I think this is also, also another thing with inter- like we were talking about the difference between white people and, and black people in those days. I believe maybe they didn't have a preacher. Maybe they didn't have uh, a funeral. Maybe they didn't have ways of the same way that the white neighborhoods down over the Wild West had. Sure. Maybe that's how they had to deal with it those times at a different standpoint and a different lenses as well. True. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, a, a, I mean, from like the white town had the bank, like a huge bank and the black town did not have. So the, the amount of infrastructure lacking and the disparity between the two towns um, is present. And yet at the same time, that doesn't mean the other town isn't, isn't thriving in his own right. Right. Like this, or it doesn't have value. Like it's, it's crazy that even in this chaos and with all the factors that were going on back then, um, Yet there was civilization, yet there was thriving, there was businesses, there was mobility. And you really get a feel for how a community tries to um, develop something from nothing. And that's, that's, I think that's the core, that's the core value of it. How do you create something, even if you do it the evil way, which Rufus was trying to do. And it's really a battle of two philosophies. You, You know, you do it the evil way to create something ultimately good in the end. Uh, but I totally agree. This has been an amazing episode. I have my man, John. I appreciate him so much for being on here for the movie review of The Harder They Fall. John, where can they connect with you? Where can they support your podcast? You guys can go on ahead and follow me underneath Movie Lovers TV Lovers Night on Facebook, underneath the same brand name on Instagram and on Pinterest as well. You can also get an audio-only podcast episode where you guys get your major podcasts from. I'm on all platforms. Of course, you guys can go on ahead, go down to Good Pods. It's like social media for podcasters. Or if you're someone that likes listening to podcasts, go on ahead, check out Good Pods. Rate us. Tell us what you think. Vernon is on there. I'm on there. Give us a five-star rating and everything. That would be great for the both of us. It also helps us climb up through the rankings. But also, too, you guys can also go on ahead and rate us also on iTunes as well. And that also helps us with the rankings over there as well. So you can do two for two and everything and go that way. But anyways, if you guys also want to, go on ahead and follow me underneath Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter, Movie Lovers Unit Zero on TikTok. Of course, if you want to donate to the page, how do you guys do that? You just go on ahead. Donate five to ten dollars. You go on ahead. You go to GoFundMe.com forward slash Movie Lovers Podcast, and that's how you can donate five to ten dollars over there. But a simple subscribe over on my way is a great way to actually support us. You don't just want to have to go ahead and donate any money or anything like that, because I understand the pandemic has actually put holes in people's pockets. And you know, here's the thing: go on ahead, support us through subscribing, liking stuff that we post. Also, to smash that little bell in the bottom right-hand corner allow you guys to know when we have something new coming out. That also helps us and helps you, too, as a consumer of someone that likes our stuff, our products. Go on, our product, as of course, is our YouTube stuff. So go on ahead. Smash that subscribe button. Smash that bell. Also, too, 
Another thing that you guys need to do is if you guys want to be on my show, you guys don't have to. But if you guys choose to, and if you guys are a sponsor, just go ahead and email me at movieloversunite at gmail.com. And that's everywhere that you can reach me at. Thanks again, Vernon, for having me. It's always a pleasure to be able to do this with you. No problem, bro. You know, you can come on here anytime. Y'all follow my man. Hit him up, man. Look, people don't realize when you are a content producer, we take this out of our own resources, out of our own time. We write our own episodes. We do the our own editing. We publish of our own intellectual property. You don't even have to give us money. All you got to do is subscribe. Subscribe to John's uh, YouTube page. Follow him on Apple Podcasts. Follow him on Good Pods. Rate him. Give him a five star. Man, just be like, man, John, I appreciate what you do. Man, look, check out. We just did. It went uh, live yesterday. We just did an episode on Hawkeye. If you are a comic book fan like myself, if you have any respect for the Marvel Universe, you want to check out John's show. It had an amazing cast with amazing just juggernauts from LaDesia to Charlie to Nick to Clint. I mean, he brought out the full <laughs> super panel. One day I'm going to get a super panel. I've been slacking, but I'm going to get me a super panel and I'm going to do a live <laughs> episode. <laughs> and I'll be back on it. Yeah, follow John. Connect with me, man. Instagram, CVNK33. Check out the website at cvnkglobal.store. Look, your support helps support me to continue to do this. Let's connect. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at CodyMKelly06 at Gmail. Man, let me know what shows, what ideas and topics you want covered. But guys, until next time, thanks.